But actually, if you're doing something that you're happier doing, then you're probably going to have a happier disposition when you're at home as well. And if you're working a job that you hate, it's probably going to be, it's not going to be a great home life for anyone anyway, which, you know, although at the time, like that wasn't even a consideration for me that that was something that mum and dad loved to do or didn't want to do or anything like that. It just, they clearly loved it because they spoke about it. And even though they did speak about it a lot, they clearly were really passionate about it. And I think that growing up around that passionate energy or, or whatever like that has meant that whatever I do, I want to be passionate about. And anything I do, whether it's in my personal life, in my work life, I am very passionate about and I put myself into it. So I think that that has cultivated an energy in me in everything that I do. And so I would say just go for it. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. It's time for you to increase your influence, grow your business, and scale to freedom. Now, let's enter the lab with your host, Samantha Riley. Welcome back to another Thursday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I am not being joined by my usual co-host here today. I have someone else very special joining me today, and that is my daughter, Anthea. Now, I've invited Anthea onto the show today to talk about what it was like to have entrepreneurial parents. And the reason I've asked her to come and talk about it through her eyes is that I think a lot of parents feel a little bit guilty sometimes with um, wanting things that are outside being a parent. And I know that certainly over the years that I had some mother guilt over the amount of time that I spent in my business. And even though I was able to work my hours around my children to some extent, and I was able to spend a lot of time with them when other parents couldn't, there was also times where I was caught in my business and I couldn't go and spend time with them. So I wanted to open up that conversation with her and have her share what life was like through the eyes of her as as a child, but also to share how she feels that's changed her as an adult. And I thought by, you know, opening up this conversation that if you're a parent right now with younger children that is feeling a little bit of guilt around, you know, not being able to spread yourself in the 50,000 places that you need to be uh, when you are a parent, then that this might be helpful for you. Now, there's a couple of things that I wanted to mention before we jump into the episode. And one of them is I mention mothers and mother guilt a lot in this episode. And I want you to understand that I mean this as parents and parent guilt. I'm talking to the mothers and the fathers. When I did the episode, I was specifically looking through my eyes of being a mum. But then when I listened back, I didn't realize how often I said it. And I want you to understand that this is not a gender-based conversation, that fathers go through this just as much as mothers. And uh, in our household, there certainly wasn't a difference in the mum and the dad that me and Anthea's father did co-parent. So, you know, everything that happened in our house, we both took that responsibility equally. And the other thing that I wanted to mention is that Anthea also shares a lot of her story through growing up with me and her father having a local bricks and mortar business. And I think that 
the she does talk about the amount of hours that we were at work it is very different now because so many parents can run businesses which are online which they can run you know from home i understand that's got a whole different set of challenges um i have worked at home or from home with young children and you know that's got its own set of challenges of not being able to to separate that that home life and that personal life but there's certainly a lot of opportunity or more opportunities now, I believe, as a parent, having an online business and not having to drag the children to bricks and mortar locations. So I hope that you get a lot from this episode, a lot from this conversation, you know, even if it helps open up some thoughts or thought processes for you. Anthea and I had a chat before we started recording and I specifically said that I didn't want her to you know, feel like she was offending me if something didn't feel right or, you know, to share something that felt, you know, if it felt bad to pretend that it wasn't, you know, I wanted to have an open and honest conversation. And I believe that this is what we've done and we've shared, you know, she's shared so much. And, and I asked her some of the tough questions that even, you know, on the other end as a mum, there was a few times that I was surprised thankfully not in a bad way but stories that I hadn't heard so it was a great conversation if you get value from this episode I would really love you to share it with your network if you have parents in your network just so that they can hear a very different conversation rather than two entrepreneurs speaking together if you've got any feedback from this episode please reach out I really look forward to any questions that you may have for either of us too. I know that Anthea would be happy to to share her perspective on or, you know, take any conversations further. So let's jump into today's episode with Anthea Riley. Welcome to the show, Anthea. It's awesome to have you here joining me today. Hi, how are you? I'm super good. So this is an interview or I've been trying to get you onto the show for probably about a year now because I think that this is such a cool topic that so many people in my world have been talking about and uh, and that is being a mum, being in business, having the the guilt that you can't have it all. And I thought, well, why don't I interview my own daughter about what it was like looking through her eyes of what it was like growing up with parents that were in business. So um, thanks so much for joining us. I've already mentioned that we're going to have a super raw and real conversation. I've already primed Anthea that she doesn't have to say all the good things because we want to know what it's like looking the other way. But before we start, why don't you let everyone know what it is that you do for for work now? Okay. Um, so I am a business manager um, for a big retail business, which means that I look after um, a whole lot of stores across New South Wales, um, look after, I guess, the, the teams, the management teams, the HR side of things, um, tracking KPIs and really driving performance across all of those businesses. Mm, and I'm super proud of you. I think you've done such an awesome job and uh, worked really hard to get where you are now. Thank you. Uh, the first thing I'd love to ask is why didn't you start a business? Why did you choose a job over a business? Uh, that I think um, I struggled with for a bit of a, for a long time. I didn't really understand why I didn't want to go into it to begin with. But I think there's two parts of this. The first is that obviously I grew up in a household where everything that happened all the time was around the businesses. 
obviously our trips away, we always went and saw a supplier when we were um, on holidays or when we were after school, we were in the businesses at dinner, mum and dad spoke about business. It was our whole world revolved around that. And I think I definitely don't really want for my whole life to be consumed by something. But I didn't know that at the time, I think I did, I thought I did want my life to be kind of all around work. But I think the other side of it, which I think is probably even bigger for me, is obviously having grown up being a dancer and getting a lot of criticism or a lot of constructive feedback throughout <laughs> growing up. Actually, I really am that, um, looking for that, I guess. I just, I like to work for someone. I prefer to be really clear about what I'm doing and prefer to get feedback. And I really, I am that kind of person that would prefer to work really hard for someone and eventually get, you know, that good feedback, which in a workplace is always a little bit hard to get because you do need to go above and beyond to get good feedback. Um, So I'm that kind of person rather than someone that is a self-starter, I guess, or that will just want to keep doing it for myself and for my whole world to revolve around it. Yeah, I remember a conversation that we had one day. I don't know if it was in one of our many road trips that we've had or if it was over dinner. And you said to me that there was a a time where you suddenly thought, no one ever said to you or dad, wow, that's really great work. That you just thought, oh my goodness, like they've worked their whole entire life and pushed really hard to get to where they are. And no one ever gave them a pat on the back. And it's, it was, that was a really interesting moment for me to see it through your eyes. Because for me, I, I was always like, I want to be the one that's in control. I want to be the one that is steering the ship. And I thought it was super interesting to hear that from, you know, from a different perspective. And it's really great to be able to understand that we all have different outcomes, that we all are different, that we need different things. And that it's okay that not everyone has to be in business and not everyone has to have a job and that we can tap into what's important for us as a person to, you know, to, I guess, essentially create our own our own life and our own outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was a really big realisation for me to be able to go, hang on a second, actually. I way prefer to have someone there that's really guiding me along or asking a lot of me because, you know, as soon as someone is asking a lot of me, I will absolutely make sure I find a way to get it done. But if there isn't that person there, then I can become very complacent and I can become that person that's really okay with just doing the bare minimum. Um, (laughs) And I know as entrepreneurs that are listening to this, they'll be like, "Uh uh-huh, there are those days where there is no one pushing you and you just have this constant chatter in your own mind coming, come on, just get it done. Just do the work. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah, Yeah. So let's take a walk back to when we went first into business because you were only three years old when we opened our first business. I don't even, rem- I don't know. Can you even remember when we opened our, f- when we opened no our, f- no, no. So this is interesting. <laughs> um, you were very little. And the reason that I wanted to go into business was for a couple of reasons. In actual fact, the opposite of you I wanted to open my own business so that I would get rewarded financially for working harder, which is interesting that the different perspectives, I was frustrated that I felt like I was working the hardest at my job and I was getting paid less than the other people on my team. And I was like, this is rubbish. I've had enough of this. (laughs) 
Um, and also I wanted to spend more time with you and, and your brother. So now you've got two brothers, but back then there was just you and Sean. What are your early memories of me and dad being in business through, through your little eyes of maybe before you started school or sort of at the time that you, were, you started school, like those really early days? Because things weren't easy in our household in those early days. Yeah. The funny thing is I don't remember a lot, I don't think, um, around the business particular like definitely um talking about before I started school all I can really remember of that time is running around and playing in the front yard um <laughs> lived in a nice house <laughs> um I remember there was a lot of kids on the street and that's pretty much all I remember from that time so whether or not I I couldn't even tell you if dad or, and you were there all the time or weren't I don't know after that Obviously, I was in school and I do, I think we might have spent a fair bit of time at Mama's after school. I'm pretty sure watching play school and the like, but I, I'm not sure. <laughs> but honestly, I, I don't actually really remember a lot of that. Again, I do, like I do remember spending a fair bit of time with both you and Dad doing various things. So, yeah, funny because I don't feel like we've thought about it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's a really important piece for parents that are listening, though, that you have remembered that you were playing in the yard, that there were kids around, that you were having fun. That's the things that you remember. And it doesn't matter what else was happening in our lives that, you know, as a child that you do remember the good things. And I know if I think back on my childhood, I've got exactly the same memories. That's my memories of playing out on the street and climbing trees and playing dress ups with our next door neighbours and those kinds of things. And, you know, I don't remember the stress that my parents had. So you don't remember the stresses that we had. And I think that that's a really awesome thing to know as a parent that, you know, if things aren't going right, your kids will still remember the good times, mm. which is cool. As you got a little bit older, and I know that you do remember some of these times, dad and I did have, you know, some really tough times we had, where we had to make a decision, should we sell our beautiful house? And we, we were very blessed and built our dream house extremely young. Like I built my dream house at 21. Not many people get a chance to do that. And I mean, I worked hard for it, but we were also very lucky to have the opportunity to do that. And, and a few years into business, we had to make the decision, do we sell it and keep the business or do we close the business and keep the house? And at that time, you know, we looked through our figures we could see that they were client and we made the decision if we don't do this right now, like we'll never know. So I'm sure you remember the times after we sold that beautiful house and, and moved out into some not so nice houses. We lived in some, <laughs> we lived in some houses that weren't very nice at all. Yeah. Um, I'd love you to share some of the memories of what life was like at, at those times where through your eyes, what life was like from the perspective of me and dad working a lot of hours and also yeah. of our financial situation. Yeah. And this is definitely the time that I can start to remember a little bit more. Obviously, I think at the time, obviously, we were devastated to leave that first house. I remember that, you know, there were so many cool people around and we did have a great time there and we had such a great life at that house, I think. So for me, that was only happy memories. So I remember that being really sad when we left and I remember Sean and I being upset about it. And yeah, the next set of houses were very quick succession from what I remember. And we didn't have sort of people around or friends around that we knew it 
also meant that, you know, we weren't that near to school anymore. We were going a lot further to get to school. We were, we were at this time, we were in the back room at the shops doing our homework after school. You know, we spent pretty much our whole lives in the shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, we got there, did our homework, played, stayed as quiet as possible, probably got in trouble for being loud, played <laughs> in the back lane behind the shop. <laughs> um, that, was our, that was our life. And inevitably we would fight and get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I think as well there were definitely times that, you know, I, I remember too um, at this time I'm pretty sure Dad was also still working at um, McDonald's and so, you know, we would go and get dinner there quite late sometimes um, to see him or because that was, you know, easy food, I guess. I don't know. I remember coming home one time and the lights not being on. And the funny thing is when I got older, I remember like thinking, oh my gosh, like that is actually because we didn't have money. Only later to realise, like much later when we had the conversation that it actually wasn't at all. It was a power out. that I had put it all together I was like wow mum and dad couldn't even pay the power bill but we still like had pretty decent lives wow I didn't know that (laughs) (laughs) um but it's funny because like I think at the time you know we we definitely didn't we went to the shops and didn't get it like we came home without a lot of things and we obviously always wanted a lot of things and and didn't get them and I think there was definitely periods through there where you know we were kind of not keeping up with what was going on socially at school and so on, which, you know, at times could be tough, but equally it didn't really matter. Yeah. So I think there was definitely that it was probably more like at school where it felt different. Otherwise it did just feel like our lives. It didn't really feel different to other people. Yeah. Cause I guess what's interesting is that, and I know that you and I had this conversation before we started recording is that your like what you see is compared to the people that are around you. So if you were in a school that what, cause you were still at a private school, like we hadn't, we didn't pull you out of your private school that if you were at a, at a different school, maybe it may not have seemed so bad. But when you're talking about the social aspect, then you're talking about like not being able to keep up with the Joneses, right? Having the gadgets yeah. and, the, and the, yeah. the fancy clothes. Actually, do you know the funny thing is it was more about what we bought for recess. this is I love this this is through the eyes of a child (laughs) (laughs) because there was never a fun-sized chocolate bar and our shapes were in cling wrap not in a ziploc bag and that was a big thing when you're in primary school (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness and that's why you're so healthy now there was no chocolate in your lunchbox. (laughs) Oh, so funny. So funny. I I do remember that at that time, your brother wrote a, they had to write a story when you finished school holidays and you had to talk about what, what your school holidays was like. And I remember Sean's story coming home saying, my, I spent my holidays at the shop and I wish yeah. my mum and dad owned a toy shop because I hate the dance shop. <laughs> oh, and that's when I think that that was actually a big moment for me as a parent where it hit home that I was actually quite, I was so stressed all the time that I was caught up and hadn't really, I guess, appreciated how much time you guys were spending at the shop. And, you know, as time went on, I mean, things changed. Let's talk about that because as an adult... 
I feel that, or I know that our business turned around very, very quickly. And we went from really tough times to really abundant times. Mm. Through your eyes, did that happen quickly for you as well? Or were you not as aware of those changes taking place? Definitely wasn't aware. Um, didn't realise that there was such, like, that there was such a big change. Obviously, I think the big thing is that no matter what change came, there was definitely no, no change in how much yourself and dad were working at that time. And I think as well, because I was starting to get older, I was at a lot more extracurricular activities as well. So all of a sudden I was in the shops less, which when I go back and think about, like, I remember a, a really big memory for me is when I was really young. Obviously, I was really into dancing, absolutely loved it. And I remember you and dad sitting me down and saying, you're going to have to drop a class from dancing. We can't afford it. Mm. And all I wanted to drop then was ballet because that's the only thing that I didn't love to do. And you guys were like, well, actually, you can't do solos without ballet, so it's going to have to be your solos. And so I am pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but I had done some modelling jobs and we ended mm-hmm. up putting that money towards my mm-hmm. solo classes or the ballet classes so that I could keep doing all the classes at dancing. That is exactly um, the memory, yeah. You, and you paid, essentially, for, I think, maybe one term just to get us through and probably a few costumes. And just for the listeners to understand, Anthea at the time was probably doing like 15 classes a week. We're not talking (laughs) one or two. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I don't even remember, I'm pretty sure by that stage, like I'm pretty sure that was the Highbury house. So I feel like I was like we, I wasn't even that young at that time. Um, I think you were about eight or nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, so this, you know, it was like, for me, that was like the world coming crashing down. So that's probably the only time when actually I thought it was really going to affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then coming from that, I obviously we also changed schools around that time, like coming out of for, for this time that it started getting better, we changed schools. And the funny thing is it actually felt to us probably like we weren't going in the right direction because you guys were building this beautiful new house. Mm-hmm. Equally, we were living <laughs> in the spare bedroom at Arnie Ainsley's because <laughs> ran late. <laughs> In fact, the only reason that we were squeezed in and living with your auntie was because our lease had finished. Yeah. We didn't know when the house was going to be handed over. So that wasn't actually a money issue at all. That was (laughs) a a timing issue. And we were all living on top of each other. Yeah, that was that was pretty hectic having uh, six people living in a three-bedroom house. And one of those people was in a in her own bedroom with the ensuite, and the rest, the five yeah. of us, were were squeezed yeah. into yeah. You you and your brothers were squeezed into a tiny little bedroom where you couldn't get in the door without crawling over the beds. So. Yeah, exactly. But um, and, and you at that time you did have uh, so yeah. Little brother Connor had come along, so yeah, there, there was more of us. Yeah. And do you know, like, obviously looking back, I can see there was actually a lot of change at that time, but I didn't really notice it at the time. I think I was also just, you know, I was starting to come to be a teenager at that time. All of a sudden I was able to kind of keep up a little bit more with what I was wearing or what we were bringing to school, which just felt like, great, I'm a teenager and I can finally start to fit in a bit more. It didn't actually, like, it didn't occur to us, oh, like, mum and dad can actually afford to help us do this now. Um, so it didn't necessarily feel like there was this huge change. It just felt like it was that time. 
So, yeah, which is, I guess, kind of a good thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, like as for all the parents that are listening, this is a time where all of a sudden we went from driving cars that would break down every two seconds to driving brand new cars. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in a brand new house that was... Uh, that one of my friends described as, oh, is that the house that looked like the show home? You know, you kids all had brand new clothes all the time. We had all the gadgets, like things had turned around really quickly. And, and it's really interesting that, that you, Anthea, have totally not put two and two together. And I yeah. think that, that as parents, this is something that I think we put too much pressure on ourselves to, to keep up because... I mean, yeah, you're just remembering like, I mean, even though we were um, squashed into that little tiny house, there was also a lot of really great memories that happened because we were all living together. Yeah. In such a tight space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it is like you say, I hadn't put two and two together and it's actually really weird for me to look back on now and start to see all of those things falling into place. And when you mentioned about the car, I actually can remember being a bit embarrassed about cars growing up. I'm not going to lie about that. Yeah. Um, And they was so excited getting picked up from school and, oh, my gosh, getting into that car and having air conditioning was just such a dream. <laughs> which obviously at the time like our friends would never have understood what a big deal that was that was normal in their lives um yeah a new school and we were in a new world and all of a sudden um you know we were also having friends come and sleep over or sleeping over at friends houses this was like actually our lives really did change um yeah. and we at the shop as much and thankfully we're older as well so could stay at home a little bit by ourselves and not be in the back room um, <laughs> <laughs> which I think was a huge change. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in the school holidays, like you say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, now that you mention it, it was hugely different after then. Yeah. So what do you think are the biggest lessons or takeaways or I guess just ahas that you can take away from growing up in a house where your parents were in business and how has that affected you as an adult, whether in your personal life, whether it's in your work life and your perception of how you see the world? I think it's affected pretty much every part of my life. I think, first of all, although Sean and I joke about the fact that we thought a lot actually were really well behaved and I Mm, think... You were so well behaved. (laughs) And I just want to say that publicly on air. You, all three of you kids... Uh, I don't know how I got so lucky, but you are all awesome. <laughs> well, I think it's made for us to all be, you know, quite polite and quite well-mannered as well, which obviously I think is really important. It means that no matter what job we're in, no matter what profession we went into or what we ended up doing, we do get seen in a bit of a, a nicer light because we can speak well or we care about the people around us, we're conscientious, we are just better managed than people around us sometimes. And I think that's just to interject there, I think that's because you grew up always being surrounded by customers and clients. Like every single day you were interacting as children, you were interacting and holding conversations with adults. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So a huge huge life lesson through that. I think obviously, well, like I spoke about before, but you and dad did talk about work all the time. There was lots of conversations about um, staff who just didn't care or didn't work that hard or challenges with team and so on. And 
this is something that I can remember speaking about in my very first job interview that, you know, mum and dad would speak about this all the time, that I didn't ever want to be that kind of worker, that I just understood it from the, the other side. I understood that you need to work hard, that there's a job to do, that that's why you're here. And realistically, even in my very first job that wasn't for you guys, <laughs> um, back in July when I was 14, was a team leader when I was 15 in there and and any job that I worked in from there very quickly worked my way up through that business and and even if it was at Baker's Delight you know like when I was at the bakery ended up getting a higher dollar per hour because I was just more senior than the other kids my age like I was put onto the adult rate when I was a teenager and, and those little things that because I was working hard or because I did see it from the other side or would go a bit more above and beyond and that's definitely something that I have continued to do throughout my career and I have managed to work my way up pretty quickly and always be seen in that more senior light because I do just take my work more seriously when I'm there about myself that I also need more of a work-life balance than someone that can be all consumed by their business that's not for me and I think that that has been really important and and good to have learned because it means that I can be I guess I have a really healthy relationship with my job because I've been able to have that realization and be able to see it and know that that's not for me which I don't think everyone is able to do or I don't think everyone has the opportunity to do and obviously it was my own journey to find what those things were to help me find my balance but it did make me realize that you know I need to find something else to let some of that energy out because I I don't want to be just about work all the time it does really um take it kind of I guess flattens me if that's my whole life mm-hmm. um, I think because I grew up around it maybe but yeah I I do like that moment to just breathe mm. And it's super interesting hearing it through, hearing this story through your eyes, because through my eyes, it's a completely different perspective where I think, and actually this did come up when we had a recent road trip, or say recent, at the start of the year to Byron Bay, (laughs) right? And and this was really cool because you rang me and went, hey, mum, you know, I've got a couple of days off. Do you want to go to Byron Bay in in a couple of days? And being in business, I could say, sure. I think in a job on 48 hours notice, I wouldn't be able to just do that. Um, So that was really cool. But there was one time where I was working up on the beach and and you're like, oh, I couldn't do what you do because I, I just would hate to be working while I was away. Where I was thinking, how cool is this? that I've just had this really like this spark of creativity and I'm just going to knock out a few pages of my book. And we'd seen it through completely different eyes where yeah. I was like, oh, this is awesome because I can just take off on 48 hours notice. But, you know, it wasn't work that I had to do. And you said, oh, well, I, I don't understand that, that concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For me, it's a real struggle to, yeah, hear about work or be catching the emails and the calls when I'm not there. Well you know, it is kind of my job to kind of be on call all the time. But equally, if it is when I'm on holiday, like you say, I want to be able to separate from that. And that for me is really important. So yeah, it's, it's quite funny because I can't, I can't understand it. (laughs) (laughs) So to wrap this up, what I'd, what are the, the, the takeaways, I guess, for you or your biggest things that you would like to share now with mums who may be feeling some guilt around having a business, not through the eyes of what you, you, know, you think you should be saying, but through the eyes of what it was like growing up and as a child, what would you like to say to the mums who, who do have that mother guilt? I think 
probably the big thing and you know obviously touched on it earlier is that some of like a lot of those more challenging times actually don't remember at all you know it was definitely when we were young we just I only can remember the good times from then and the fact is there were still a lot of good times you know there was always still time for us we still did all the things that we wanted to do you know you guys found a way for that to happen which is great and then I think from there, like actually, even now in my job, I work a lot of hours and, and so on. So I think if what you want to be doing is doing it for yourself, then my goodness, go for it. All credit to you because it might not even be any different doing it for someone else, first of all. But actually, if you're doing something that you're happier doing, then you're probably going to have a happier disposition when you're at home as well. And if you're working a job that you hate, it's probably going to be, it's not going to be a great home life for anyone anyway, which, you know, although at the time, like that wasn't even a consideration for me that that was something that mum and dad loved to do or didn't want to do or anything like that. It just, they clearly loved it because they spoke about it. And even though they did speak about it a lot, they clearly were really passionate about it. And I think that growing up around that passionate energy or, or whatever like that has meant that whatever I do, I want to be passionate about and anything I do, whether it's in my personal life, in my work life, I am very passionate about and I put myself into it. So I think that that has cultivated an energy in me in everything that I do. And so I would say just go for it. Mm, I love it. Thanks <laughs> so much for coming on and sharing this because I know that you're a bit like, oh, I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> Um, it's, it's such an important conversation and I think that you have just delivered so much value to the listeners and that I know that from hearing your story that it's going to help them to understand that it's you know that they can let that guilt go that it is okay and you know through those tough times that we had and I've got lots of memories of them being tough times and I've got you know the mother guilt of not being able to do certain things at the end of the day we had such an awesome family life together you know we were such a happy family we did so much together and I, I wouldn't change it for the world no it was good <laughs> 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 Lucky we agree on that. <laughs> Thanks for coming on to the show. Angela. I so, so appreciate you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for chatting with me. <laughs> Discover how to grow and scale your thought leader's business. Check out samanthariley.global. Head over to Facebook and join a tribe of like-minded entrepreneurs in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community.